Well, good morning. I invite you to open to Proverbs chapter 27. We'll be looking at verse 10 this morning. And if you are looking at a pew Bible, that will be page 468 in your pew Bible. Well, this summer we have, as a church, been going through uh, the book of Proverbs. And uh, as many of you know, we've been looking at different, uh, different proverbs, and specifically we've been looking at many of the better than sayings through, throughout this book of Proverbs. The writer of Proverbs, Solomon, who, who wrote many of them, in his wisdom is, is sharing to us now that better than something than something else. The book of Proverbs is, uh, is a wonderful, wonderful book of the Bible. Dr. Splawn has encouraged us uh, as a church, as individually in our times of devotion and, and Bible reading, to, to be uh, reflecting and, and reading through this book. Because one of the wonderful things about Proverbs is that we, we don't get wisdom for, for just a few things in our life. In Proverbs, we see all aspects, we see many aspects of, of life and, and specifically what wisdom we need as we navigate these different aspects of our lives. So everything from money and, and finances and, and stewardship to uh, relationships as we'll look at today with family and friends and neighbors, to the ways that we seek to live a moral and upright life, to live with integrity, uh, as Joel preached on just a, a couple weeks ago. So many different aspects, and Proverbs specifically makes the claim that wisdom is the thread that ties all of these, these different aspects of life together, that a life well-lived in pursuit of the Lord is one that seeks wisdom. Time and again, as you read through the book of, of Proverbs, you see uh, th this, this imagery of a, of a father uh, uh, wanting and talking to his son and saying, son, seek wisdom, seek it with all you have. Wisdom is, is valuable. As we read just a, a few minutes ago in, in Proverbs chapter 3, that, that wisdom is, is more valuable than gold and silver and rubies. That it benefits us to live, to live a life according to wisdom. And this is wisdom not that we, we conjure up. We certainly live and we gain experience. We grow in knowledge and maturity. But we ultimately will not grow in wisdom unless it's God's gracious work of redemption working in and through us. If the Spirit is not working in and through us, we have no hope for growing in wisdom and knowledge at all. Proverbs is an interesting book in that if, if you have read through it before, as we've been going through it this summer, you see that, that Proverbs are, are, many of them are these kind of individual short little sayings. And again, they cover a variety of different topics and aspects of life. And so you can read one proverb on 
finances and stewardship. And you could read a proverb later on in the book, and it would seem that sometimes these proverbs don't always match up. Uh, the late Tim Keller actually said this, or actually said this and, and said it well, I think, that it, it is wise of us, it is good of us that as we read Proverbs, to read this book as, as, a, as kind of a big puzzle. And as we read about these different aspects of life and how we gain wisdom, that we're seeking to put these pieces of the puzzle together. Pieces of a puzzle that we really, we need a, a big picture for what the writer of Proverbs, for what Solomon is trying to say. That ultimately you and I don't gain full understanding and full wisdom until we see how these Proverbs work together. How they kind of accumulate and build for us some sense of, of reason and, and understanding. And so this morning, the big question that Proverbs really poses for us is this. What kind of world do you and I live in, and how do we live well and faithfully in that world? What kind of world do you and I live in, and how do we live well and faithfully in that world? That, that's the question that we're ultimately left with, I think, as we read through this book, and, and certainly for us as individuals as we mature and as we we grow in our faith, and as we journey in our faith, that we are, are to, to seek wisdom, that it is something that is good and beneficial for us. There's a beautiful part and a, and a beautiful truth, I think, to many of these Proverbs, certainly to the one that, that's before us today. And it's, it's this, that oftentimes we don't get to seek and calculate wisdom for ourselves. Wisdom has to be ready to be used in practice. We have to be ready to apply wisdom in specific and certain situations. Uh, you and I know that life brings about uh, a lot of different circumstances, things that we can't plan for, things that we can't always expect. And so you and I, as we read and as we interpret many of these proverbs, we have to be ready to apply what is there in a moment's notice. That we don't always get the benefit of, of laying out the pros and cons of what it would look like to apply this proverb in this situation or to apply it in another. That we have to be, be ready and we have to know God's word, we have to cherish it. And as we pursue wisdom, God, again, will work through his spirit to work in and through us. So as we look at our proverb this morning, I have to admit, it's, this is a, a challenging proverb and one that I have I've wrestled with quite a bit for, for the past few weeks as I've been looking at this passage. It's, it's a little confusing and, and I think perhaps goes a little bit against our senses what, what does it mean to not forsake our friends and to not go to our relative's house, to not go to our family's house when disaster strikes us? And ultimately the wisdom of being a neighbor, that it is better to be a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. Well, I think there are a few things that, that we ultimately can say 
Um, and I want to ask you this first as we seek to break down this, this, this verse for us this morning. Do you remember your first friend? Do you remember your first friend? Maybe it was in, in preschool, uh, elementary school, that first like really, really good friend that you had. Um, I hope that you, you can and, and that you do remember that first friend. And I hope that, that you have strong friendships even now in your life. At whatever point you do indeed find yourself. But Proverbs makes it very clear, scripture makes it very clear that friends are good. That having friends makes life worth living. That, that it is a good and beneficial thing for us. Friends are a gift and they are a joy to us. They do indeed make life better. As uh, Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. And Proverbs 18, 24 says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother or sister. Friends are good and God places friends at just the right times in our life. That as Sharon mentioned in her children's sermon, that there are some key aspects of what it means to be a good friend, to be committed, to sacrifice for the sake of, of one another, to be ready to be a listening ear, to be present and available during times of, of struggle, but also being present and available as your, as your friend or friends are going through some of the some of the high and some of the really, really good things in life. And so that's why as we look at our proverb, the beginning of it this morning, the warning, the command to not forsake a friend or again, a friend of your family, that there's a truth that neglect and abandonment of, of friendships can ruin relationships. They can crush them. They can absolutely crush them. Perhaps you've been in that situation before. Perhaps you, over your years, perhaps you've, you've had friends and for whatever reason, they've kind of come and they've, and they've gone. Perhaps you intentionally or unintentionally neglected a friendship or a relationship that meant something to you that was good and valuable to you. Perhaps that's happened to you. Perhaps you've had someone that you have been close to and for whatever reason, they have neglected, they have abandoned your relationship, their relationship with, with you. Friendship is difficult and you and I know that it takes a lot of work to be a good friend, to be present and available to people, to, to sacrifice and to love them in a way that friends are capable of doing. There's good news in the gospel, I believe, truly that, that I believe that we have a savior in Jesus who does not, he does not abandon or neglect us. He does not abandon or neglect us. Even when we are prone to do that or prone to experience that, 
Jesus does not. John chapter 15, Jesus is really hours away from going to the cross and, and, and dying and, and, and suffering a horrific, horrific death. And just hours before, he wants to take time to be with his closest friends, his 12 disciples. And even among that group of 12, he, he had a, a special group of three, Peter, James, and John, that he was even closer friends with than the other nine. But in his last hours on earth, he's, he's with his disciples and he's encouraging them, he's teaching them, he's comforting them. In John chapter 15, Jesus is speaking and, and he's saying that no greater, there's no one greater than this to, to lay down his or her life for his friends. That is what true love is really all about. That for, for Jesus, because he is from the Father, he is giving himself the relationship that he has with the Father. He, he is offering some, some of that. He's offering that to his disciples and to us now as his followers. And you remember what he says. He says, he doesn't call us servants, but he calls us friends. Friends. That is the relationship that you and I have. And ultimately, it is that relationship with Christ that is the source, that is the basis for the friendship, for the love, and for the, the sacrifice, and for the service that we are able to have with one another. So I ask you this, where are your friendships right now? Have you taken stock in them? What, what is the substance of those friendships in your life? Is it based off truth-telling and honesty and, again, of sacrifice for one another? Is there a relationship that's maybe on the fringe of, of being neglected or, or abandoned? Where is your friendship, your friendships right now? The next part of this, this proverb is, is interesting. Do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. What is the last half of this proverb really trying to say? Um, there's, there's wisdom here, and I think we need to be careful how, how we think about this, this wisdom. We first need to remember and, and to know and believe that God very much ordained families from the beginning of time in the garden with Adam and Eve and their children. And as you look throughout all of Scripture, family is a very, very good thing. It is wise of us to have family, to have those who are like family in our lives. So I don't think that this, we can interpret this proverb as saying, that, that family is bad or anything like that. But there is some wisdom here. That I think that as we think about our families, that an over-reliance, as great as our families can be, 
and over-reliance on our families can sometimes be an unwise way to live. And I think this proverb specifically has these ideas of, of space and proximity and time in mind. Space and proximity and, and time, that um, those, those matter. It matters that neighbors physically live next to you or a coworker sits next to you. Our neighbors matter to us and, and that it can be, again, that families are good, but they're not always, always can they be there for us in the ways that we want them to be or sometimes want them to be. Uh, a few a couple years ago, my, my two-year-old at the time, uh, we lived in West Homewood, and we loved going to Patriot Park. We, uh, we loved going over to the park on a, on a beautiful sunny afternoon, and so I, I took, uh, took my two-year-old and, and my uh, one-year-old at the time, and we went over and, and played. And we had, we didn't live in West Homewood for long, but, but we had a, the opportunity to, uh, to make some really good friends and to become close with our neighbors and those who were, were in our neighborhood. And so we go to the park one, one afternoon to, to play, uh, to kill some time, and we see one of our neighbors. And uh, I, stopped, I stopped to talk to him and we're, we're chatting for not a long time, probably 30 seconds, 30 to 45 seconds. I, I have my eye away from my, from my two kids. We're on the, the toddler part of the playground. And I turn around, and I can't find my oldest. I can't find my two-year-old. I begin to look uh, on, on the playground, and I can't, I can't find him. I go across the road and, and I look for him. Maybe perhaps he's, he's crossed the road that's, that's right near the playground and I can't find him. And at this point, panic really starts to, starts to, to, to creep in. I, I'm worried and, and trying, to, trying to find Josh. And I, I start yelling, hoping that he would hear me or that someone who's, who's aware of the situation I've seen a two-year-old who's wandering by himself, and I don't, I don't hear him. And so at this point, the whole park is, is looking for this two-year-old. They know what's that's going on, and so they're looking around for him. I go to the other side of the park, and I, I can't find him there. And at this, this point, probably three, four minutes have passed, and still can't find him. So finally, I go out kind of the back entrance of the park to where we would usually walk in. The little back entrance was the, was the entrance closest to our, to our house. And so I'll run out that back entrance and I, I scan the street once in one direction and then I look in the other. And at the very top of the little hill of that street, I, I, see, I see Josh and holding his hand Holding his hand as a, as a lady, probably in her 
60s, early to mid-60s. And she's holding his hand and walking him back down the street toward the park. I immediately run up to Josh and, and hug him. Um, to this day, I, I'm tremendously grateful for Susan. I didn't ask her last name then. I, I have to admit, I don't know her name to this day. But without that act of neighborly kindness, with, without Susan applying some sense of, of wisdom, wisdom that, again, I think our verse speaks to, a parent's worst nightmare, disaster, right? Losing a child. She simply took him by the hand and knew that she needed to be with Josh until I found him. Do not forsake your friend or friend of your family and do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. You know, I could have tried calling my parents. I have the benefit of having family and close friends who live here in town. But it wouldn't have mattered at that point in time. I had to find my two-year-old now. Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. As we think about our different relationships, as we think about our friends and, and family and, and neighbors, I think you and I can admit that relationships can be complicated, right? Again, they take work and take effort and take time. And definitely how we manage our relationships as imperfect, as broken, as sinful people. We are not always the best managers, right? But our call is to seek wisdom in all the opportunities we have in our relationships that God has placed before us, friends, family, and neighbors alike. I want to close and I want to read this passage, a familiar passage to most of us this morning, but I want to read it again, and I want you to just to sit and to listen, to hear these words, and I pray that you will hear them maybe in a fresh way, you'll hear them in a new way. Again, as we think about our proverb this morning, thinking about how good it is to be a neighbor, and how we value the relationships that we have in our lives. This is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. 
but he wanted to justify himself. And so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus replied, go and do likewise. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you this morning for the gift of wisdom. Lord, that your word calls us to seek it and to pursue it. And Father, we are grateful that in your wisdom you give us the ability and the opportunity to have various relationships in our lives. Father, with family and with friends and with neighbors. And Lord, while we know that the way that we manage our relationships, the ways that we interact with others are, Lord, imperfect. Father, we know that you are perfect and that you have given us your son who is the perfect friend. Lord, who by him, God, you have adopted us into your family. And God, you have indeed called us to be good neighbors. Lord, that you have called us to go and to do. So Lord, help us to do that. Not on our own effort, but Lord, by the power of your spirit. We pray that you would be with us and that you would help us. And we offer this prayer in your name. Amen.